In the internet justice system, people spout offenses that are clearly not heinous. As part of the Kick cast, the semi-dedicated streamers who investigate internet people are members of a YouTube channel known as Keeping It Criminal. This is their show. Hey everybody, welcome to On The Stand Episode 2, Nonsense On Our Part. Uh, I am Kick, as you are all well aware of, and my co-host for this evening is Taco from Taco and Yoshi Gaming. Say hi to the nice people, Taco. Hello, nice people. And uh, Yoshi's being a little snuggly tonight, hanging out with uh, with Taco Josh. No, I um, finally got him to bed. Okay, good, good. Um, so tonight we have a very special guest. I know last time we did this was right before Christmas. Um, we had uh, Blue Bacon and then a whole lot of things happened. Um, and unfortunately, we could not get uh, some of the people that we wanted to get initially. Um, but uh, as things have progressed and, and things have calmed down, especially like with my family, um, which, by the way, everyone's healthier and, and doing OK. So I want to thank everyone for their prayers, uh, good words, uh, wishes and all that good stuff. Um, and now we're, we're back. We're bringing it back. And so tonight. Our special guest is Broken System, Broken Trust. Welcome to the stream, Broken. It's good to have you here this evening. Appreciate it, man. Um, go ahead and tell the folks just a little bit about yourself here real quick, and then uh, we'll move forward to some questions and stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I mean, my my journey into YouTube has been um, something that ha I've wanted to do for a long time. I was originally um, considering maybe doing Uber, like, you know, doing an Uber channel to help Uber drivers be more successful when I did that back in 2018. And I procrastinated and I sat around and I waited for it. But along my journey doing Uber, um, I would say I drove for one year for Uber. I made pretty decent money doing it and I was pretty happy. I was self-employed so I could work whenever I wanted, you know, and um one of the things that I noticed is that the police would always look at me like I was the enemy while I was out there. You know, I always thought I, I had it in the back of my mind, like I would be perceived as, you know, like I'd be an ally in the fight to keep the public safe. Right. I'd get people home sober. I'd drive them sober. That's how I got into doing Uber in the first place, because I don't drink alcohol. I'm usually the sober one at the parties. So I used to drive people home. And so that's really where I kind of got into the whole cop watching thing is because you know, I would be driving around and the police would just seriously look at you like you were the enemy. And I got pulled over 12 times in one year. Uh, there were three of those occasions where the police asked to search my car, one of which they actually did. I had a passenger that was, you know, in my front seat. And well, well hold, hold, hold tight there, Broken. Just wanted to give yeah. you a little little something for everybody. Broken is a is a uh, YouTube uh, channel content creator and he is a he's a cop watcher he does do some auditing um he also likes to include some uh law-based information that he that he shares and generally he is on the opposite side of uh where we stand um and so tonight what we're asking is everybody just kind of be be kind um we're you know this isn't a grilling session this isn't beating up on people um tonight is just a, a general interview and getting to know the people behind uh, the actions. And, and really, before we get started, I do want to take a quick moment for everyone. Um, I'm not sure if many of you know, uh, but uh, you probably all do. Schrodinger's cat passed away um, 
on Sunday, uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, and he has been laid to rest. Um, now for many of us, we could not be there. Um, but what I would like to do is to take a moment and just have a moment of private silence for us to send some good feelings, good vibes, karma, uh, prayers, um, for his family, uh, and for him. So just a quick moment before we move forward. Fair winds and following seas, good sir. Thank you, everyone. Yep. Thank All you for right. the memories, Schrodinger. Yes. All uh, right. Oh. So, Sorry. no, no, it's okay. Now, many of you know that, uh, oh, and, and there's my Bassett. Many of you know that Broken was uh, going to be on the show that Sunday, and unfortunately, with the way things happened, uh, that show didn't go on. But uh, I figured it would be uh, opportune to do like SC would do and uh, give you the opportunity. So, Broken, um, let's just hit you with a few questions. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead, Taco. Did you have something? Well, yeah. Usually I start this part. Yep. Uh, so before you became, you know, the auditor kind of had this some of the sovereignties and beliefs or however you want to call it. What were you like kind of growing up? What was, you know, broken? What like? I like growing up? Um, probably yeah. exactly like my son. I was a little bit rambunctious. I didn't really, you know, like to listen too well, you know I mean? But I was a good kid. I mean, I was probably a, I mean, I was a really good kid. I never got in trouble. I up until 17 years and then I joined the Marine Corps and really, you know, I was model behavior. I, went to high school, you know, I won a lot of drafting competitions. I placed like second place in state for drafting in a pretty heavily, uh, you know, uh, a heavy engineering state, I would say Michigan is because we got the big three here. So, you know, I was always proud of those type of accomplishments, but I, you know, kind of stuck to myself a little bit, you know what I mean? I just did my own thing and I caught a lot of flack from the other guys in my drafting class because I would win the awards and stuff like that. And I never really understood it. You know, I was always like, but I just did my own thing. And I kind of see myself in the auditing and the cop watching world doing a similar thing. Like I'm kind of on my own journey. And if those, if people want to come along, that's cool. And if they don't, then, you know, it's same thing as, you know, I don't know if that answered the question, but you know. Yeah, kind of did. Uh, so that's kind of how you grew up and everything. What kind of led you on to wanting, well, you kind of had started answering this before uh, we started with uh, the wind. I'm going to actually hit on this a little bit. The whole, uh, the Uber, maybe doing an Uber channel with, you know, what to do properly. We're also going to do the whole, uh, you know, where you have like the interesting passengers uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was always like one of the number one questions when I did Uber, you know, it's, uh, hey, you know, what are your crazy experiences? And of course, I have like a million stories from doing Uber. But you know, we can save that for a different conversation, a couple wild nights. I mean, uh, my fiance was pregnant with our son at the time. So I you, I went out and I worked nights and she stayed home. 
And, uh, but it, you know, I usually ran with the bar crowd, you know, cause I, I would go out late at night and that w- that's where the best tips were. And that's where you made the most money anyways, Friday, Saturday night. I always went and worked holidays. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, that, so I always wanted to do a YouTube channel. It kind of, so cop watching, I didn't really get into, uh, it got into me, I guess is what I should say. So, okay. um, but yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I got pulled over 12 times, uh, three times the cops asked to search my car and one time they did it without my consent. And then of course, you know, some girl dumps her drugs in my backseat. And so, you know, and I don't believe in the drug war anyways, you know, I think, um, you know, when, when, when the war on drugs started, that's when the police became the enemy of the people. That's how I view it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, I don't, I just don't believe in people getting in trouble for whatever they choose to put in their body. As long as they have personal amounts of whatever substance it is, I can give a shit. I, or, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to try not to swear, keep the cussing down, but, uh, right. uh, you know, I really don't care what, what, you know, um, what your substance of choice is or what your preferred substance is, you know, for me, it's, you know, I, I don't really care. So, but anyways, the two other times the cops asked me to search my car and I said, no, I said, absolutely not. The one time, and then the cop comes back, of course, and he's like, well, if you have nothing to hide, why don't you let me search my car? And the way I view that nowadays, I used to cooperate with everything. I used to, you know, just, hey, police are the heroes and police, you know, I, you got to do as, as you're told. But it was like, I, I told them I'm out working, right? And it's like, they want to search my car. So can I go back to the police station? Can I rummage through your personal vehicle when we get back, right? And that's when one guy left me alone. And the second time, or the third time, and the last guy, he asked me to search my vehicle, uh, but he waited until the very end. And he's like, hey, do you mind if I have a look in your car? I'm like, you know, I'm not going to let you do that, man. And then he just let me go. You know, he let me be on my way. So I don't hold any resentment towards police. I just, I find it very intrusive that they would even bother to ask you to do those sorts of things. So that's just my position. That's that's kind of how I got into cop watching too. I don't know. So it's, not, it, it's, it's not a chip on my shoulder by any means. Right. I have no chip on okay. my shoulder against cops. For me, I've always found like if you can make a cop laugh, it makes the situation so much easier. <laughs> absolutely. If you can break the tension, you know, it absolutely helps. So uh, I definitely try to incorporate that in my cop watching. You know what I mean? Because, you know, they can be very tense situations. And I'm an amateur journalist, I would say. I don't have a lot of experience in journalism. And I'm actually fascinated by the ethics of journalism. And I know nothing about it. So I'm not trying to say I'm an expert by any means. But I think I know uh, when to be sensitive about uh, about things and when kind of to not be as sensitive. So, you know, if I'm like covering an accident, which I covered, uh, I told you before the show started kick that uh, I had somebody come to my house. And it's because I went to cover. There were five cops at his house. There's uh, two fire trucks and there's an ambulance. And of course, I don't know what's going on, but it looks like a very newsworthy scene. So I was documenting it. And the cops came out and said, hey, he's getting really irritated. I said, I understand. I said, I'm not going to put any personal information of his out there. I don't know what happened. Of course, I don't know what happened, right? So, But he ends up showing up to my house like uh, a few weeks later with a gun. And he's telling me, you know, and that to me was kind of surprising. You know, I don't, I don't get scared by much. I, 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 I'm a fraternal Marine. And when I say a fraternal Marine, I mean, you know, like I was in the Marines. So very little scares me as far as like when people come to bring weapons or try to get into altercations with you but that was kind of that's when i kind of knew this is more real than you know anything else i've ever done and that's that's the danger of doing what you do absolutely and that's why i try not to dox anybody i try not to like you know i 
I even had an attorney that, you know, I have a, I have it on my channel too, this conversation with an attorney. And she said, you know, I, I do notice you point the camera away from people because I'm there to document public service. I'm there to document anybody that works in a public servant capacity. And I could care less about trying to educate people that they have no right to privacy in public. I mean, I will sometimes capture them on video, but if they were to ask me, I'd tell them, hey, I'll, I'll take you out of the video or I'll blur your image. I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? But I haven't had anybody ask me to do that yet. Um, and I mean, going back to the Uber one, I mean, having drugs left in your car, that's definitely a danger of being an Uber driver. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm not going to say I'm a saint or like I've never touched, you know, like substances or anything like that because I have, you know what I mean? I'm an adult. I've done, I've lived, you know, this life, but you know, they, they, they weren't my drugs. I, and, and I knew they weren't my drugs and, and this girl dumped them in the back seat, and then she just went and tried saying how, you know, everything was, you know, mine, you know, and it's like, it's in a pink little round disc. They found the drugs in it's in a pink round disc. You think I'm rolling around with a pink round disc. Sure. I helped her, you know, like try to get out of trouble, you know, so I could, I could see that, you know, they would say I was interfering with an investigation, but it's, it's something I don't believe in anyway. So I would do that for anybody. I would try to prevent them for, from getting in trouble for something that I know they have every right to do as a human being. Well, and that's where, that's probably what got you in trouble. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, I was facing, I was facing an eight year sentence, close to a decade in jail. Close to a decade, my fiance is pregnant and, you know, our, our son is about to be born. That would mean if they really um, held my feet to the fire and got a conviction, I could have been spending eight years in prison. That would have been eight years my fiance would be without me. I would never know my son. I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see my two daughters for close to a decade, right? And I understand how people say, hey, well, you put yourself in that situation, that's the risk. But what I have to say about that is like, that's not really logical. It's like the we know the punishment doesn't match the crime. And we know that you can look at models in the world like Portugal and Switzerland and how they handle their drug problems. And they decriminalize everything. So people can finally be honest about, you know, substances, right? And that's the way I see it. You know, my local police department, I always put a put the camera on the Hope Not Handcuffs brochures that they have out there. It's like Hope not handcuffs. Well, how about that for an idea? How about you can't shame somebody into getting off a substance, right? If they want to get off a substance, they're going to do it on their own. And if you really want to help that person, take them to a rehab. Don't take them to a cage. Well, you know, there's many different beliefs into that where, you know, supposedly if they're in the, in the prison system, they're not supposed to be getting, there's supposed to be no drugs in the, in the prison, obviously. Oh, yeah. And they make and drugs make their way into the prison system all the time. Unfortunately. You know? and yeah. And that's why I'm saying like right now, the system we have, it breeds anarchy and chaos. If you think about it. Right. We have unknown users selling to unknown buyers with unknown substances. That's why so many people overdose on fentanyl all the time, because you have unknown buyers buying from unknown uh, uh, providers with unknown substances. And you eliminate all that. They have almost they I, I believe last time I checked in Switzerland and Portugal, they have almost zero overdose deaths from from drugs so we have a, a an opioid epidemic we have drugs flowing in the cartels are you know running things at the southern border and here we're trying to do it with prohibition in this country and that's just silly to me and then it gives the license license to the police to basically you know if you think that there aren't police out there taking kickbacks protecting a, a couple of the local dealers in your area while they're busting the low-level ones that aren't giving them kickbacks then you're living in a fantasy world if you're asking if you ask me 
So, uh, like I said, you know, the, the cameras, they, they help, you know, curb all that sort of stuff. It, it's going to, it's going to catch a corrupt cop. It's going to get them out of the system and that's going to protect the officers that are out there. And I really am in favor of having officers out on the streets. And what I mean by officers is you celebrate officers, you, you, you spit on cops and then you, you want pigs to, to just go away, right? Those are the three levels that you have. It's up to the officers, whether they want to be educated in officers and use discretion and be loved by the public, or you have cops that don't deserve respect at all because they follow orders and they cause more uh, mayhem to society than anybody else. Then you have pigs that are corrupt or they just beat people because they can, or they tase people because they can, or they lean on somebody's neck to suffocate them till the point of where they, where they die. Um, so those are the three levels how I see it. And I meet plenty of officers while I'm out there. I meet plenty of officers and we have discussions on how they feel about law, how I feel about law. You know, I mean, I have so many good interactions with cops and I have cops that, that come up and thank me for what I do. Well, you know, there's not much, I, you know, that it, that's what's happened to you. And uh, I got to ask, uh, yeah. how much of the system do you feel is broken? Just kind of give me a percentage. I, I mean, I a rough percentage. It's such a complicated taco. That's such a complicated question, man. It's such a sophisticated <laughs> system with so many layers to it, man. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to, I wouldn't even be able to answer that. Is it almost all the way corrupt? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you feel I, it could be fixed at this point. No, at this point, I don't think it's fixable. That's why I'm just, that's why I'm out there with a the camera is to just document it. Well, I'm not you, out portraying myself. Like I'm going to like, I'm fighting for your rights. Taco. You're the only one that can fight for your rights, man. Here's All I can question. do is tell you what your rights are. Here's my question then. If it's not fixable and you're pointing out all these other countries that are doing different things right, why not go to one of those countries that look good? Well, I mean, I love this country and I love the freedom that I chose to sign up and, you know, defend with my life if right. I had to at 17. And I haven't changed since 17. I still, I love my country. And I hope we stand for freedom. And I'm not an anarchist, which is why, you know, the whole Sovsit label. I mean, I understand there's terminology in there that are Sovsit related, but you have to understand how close the Sovsit um, uh, camp sits with the uh, libertarian and with the voluntarism uh, societies, right? So those three camps are closely related. I would say I'm more voluntarist, you know, like uh, I, wanna, I want a voluntary system where it's voluntary transactions between people. And it's voluntary encounters between people. So uh, what that means is very minimal government. You know, you still have to have your armed forces. You can't just let any foreign uh, army come in and invade your country. Uh, so you do need a standing army. You do need regulation that's out there. I just don't know how much regulation there is. So uh, the, the question that you asked to get us onto this is how much of the system is corrupt? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah. It just seemed to me like, you know, because you were like, you know, you didn't think the system could be fixed, but then you're kind of like, you wouldn't want to go anywhere else because you're at least satisfied with the system as well, it currently. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not trying to move to a different country. I'm just, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that we might be headed towards, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you think we're, do you feel like we're heading in a more authoritarian uh, direction or less authoritarian? 
I'm not technically the person to ask in that because I actually <laughs> really stay out of that type of. Uh, yeah, yeah, because this this the the mission I'm on it transcends politics. I think it's all a divide and conquer type strategy. You know what I mean? To authoritarian uh, desires and goals, and so that's why I'm happy to do shows like this because. You know, Kick and I, we might be an opposite camp, but if we do divide and conquer, and, and I'm correct on my theory, which is that we're pushing in a more authoritarian direction, then I'm going to need guys like Kick and like you and guys that we are perceived to be an opposite camp. So we're going to all need to band together at some point, right? We're all going to have to come, come together and figure this thing out. So I don't know if the system is fixable. Like I said, I'm just out there to document what's going on in the craziness of the world. So. I mean, I have my own way of thinking that is completely separate of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I have more yeah, yeah, religious I'm, I'm not, thinking on things. but Yeah, yeah, and I'm not a political person. I believe, you know, Democrats, Republicans, whatever, in this country, for example, it's like it's, it's divide and conquer. It's like two teams, uh, you know, working together, uh, you know, behind closed doors. When, when they're on the Senate floor their opposition and then they go home at night and then they high five each other. Hey, look, you know, we got rulers and we got, we got rulers and the people that are being ruled and you're either in one of those two camps. And I don't think there's any arguing that. So, okay. So the second part of your name is the broken trust in people or just in the, in the, in the gov in the people in the government. I mean, this, this has to do with myself as well. I mean, like, this is more like an inner reflection of myself. I mean, it's a system as a whole, but it's like, you know, I'm a flawed human being. I've been broken right. down. I've been betrayed by my family this year, you know, and it's caused so much division and ripple in me. So I'm trying to get better for myself. So I, the broken trust is with me. I can't, you know, it's like, I can't okay. trust myself. Right. And I think COVID isn't helping anything because, or the C word, I should say, right? Um, so we don't get censored or shadow banned. But, uh, you know, the C word has everybody I know thrown off and acting irritable and agitated. And I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's any accident. I don't think I'm alone in feeling that way. And I've seen so many small business owners in my area just get absolutely crushed by this whole thing. I lost two jobs because of it. You know, I'm still struggling to get back. I've had everything taken from me. I've had my car repossessed. I'm uh, going to be losing my house this month. Um, everybody says to get a job. I'm going out plowing snow tomorrow because the two jobs that I had before COVID, they're they're not there right now. So, you know, I'm I'm struggling. I think I think I'm in the majority of people. The guy that came and repoed my car, uh, he said he is so behind on, on repos right now he can't even get to all of them. There were so many people that were getting uh, evicted. I, in my case, I had a new landlord take over, so he just wants his house back. So it's not like um, I, I really had a choice there. But like I'm hurting, and the uncertainty of the world has everybody thrown off right now, as far as I can tell. Now, some people may have it good, or they may be surviving this. And all I got to say to those people is count your blessings, because you know a year from now, you could be in the same situation as me. I never would have thought I'd be in this situation two years ago. Or a year and a half ago, however long ago it was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, this, you know, this last, like, pandemic or out, you know, outbreak, whatever you want, whatever we can call it on YouTube, uh, has really hurt a lot of people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And there, you're probably going to hear a lot of wild conspiracy theories out there. And I think like the majority well, of like the audience, the, yeah, the, the majority of the audience, I think that watches me in court and watches, you know, and basically is really harsh on, on what I do. And I understand and that criticism is fair. Um, but what I think it is, is, um, you know, basically it's, it's not about the ideologies, you know, it really isn't about any sort of ideology. It transcends all of that stuff. It really does transcend all of that stuff. And, you know, I, I, I read a lot of stuff, uh, you know, the Gulag Archipelago and how communism took over in the USSR and it, it was built on a foundation of lies. And that's why I'm really on my own personal journey right now to try to get as truthful as possible, because the way out of USSR, uh, the the book, uh, the Gulag Archipelago was written by a gentleman named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And basically, there's a lot of people that single-handedly credit him for bringing the communist regime down uh, because it was built on lies. It was built on a bedrock of lies. And it was people lying to themselves, to their families, to their loved ones. Two out of five people became government informants. And I've seen that in my own personal life. And I don't think I'm alone when I say that. I think there's a lot of people out there. And you know, the whole see something, say something to police. That's how it ties into cop watching, too. It's like you want to prevent lies. The number way to one way, I think, to prevent lies is get a camera or get something to document what's going on. That way you have an objective record of what happened. OK, so I'm going to ask one last question, and then I'm going to hand it off to uh, Kick. OK. Uh, you know, with everything that's kind of going on with your life. Why not? with this one you know court case or i don't know if it's multiple ones try and take a plea deal so that you can focus on getting <laughs> everything set with, you know that like, i understand that i understand that and again you know it goes back to that like i'm not i understand people are you know express their concern to me like hey you've been taken down this path of lies or like you bought into a conspiracy and now you're going to get yourself in more trouble. But it's so much bigger than that, Taco. It's it's so much bigger than just me. It's so much bigger than just that. It's I'm not prepared to give the bully my lunch money. And I know in that court date, we have three government actors. We have a cop, we have a prosecutor, and we have a judge. We have three government actors that are trying to say that I did something wrong or I did somebody wrong. And I know that that is fundamentally false. That is fundamentally false. I had a plastic card that expired, dude, a plastic card that expired. And they're going to try to say that that would justify locking me in a cage for 90 days. You know, go to any jail, any uh, one of your local county courthouses. I guarantee the majority of people that are in there, I can guarantee this, is that the majority of them are in there for not paying fines on time. And it's like, OK, so, uh, well, that acts as a deterrent. Uh, that acts as a, a deterrent to crime. It's like, does it really? Or is that a logical fallacy? Because it doesn't act as a deterrent uh, to crime from what I've seen. People that are going to do wrong are going to do wrong. Somebody that's coming to murder you isn't going, oh, hey, I'm going to face life in jail if I do this. They murder people and then they spend life in jail. They don't think about, like, the law does not act as a deterrent, in my opinion. So anyways, to answer your question, it, it, it's about so much more, Taco. It's about, if I didn't have a YouTube channel and this was four years ago, I probably would have just paid the fine and just been done with it. And then I would have accepted uh, quote unquote responsibility for it. Like I did something wrong, but I know I didn't do anything wrong. I go, I lay my head uh, on my pillow at night and I know I, I'm not going, Oh my God, I was such a bad guy for doing that. I was so horrible for doing that. It's like, it was it irresponsible. No, 
I'm not accepting responsibility and following the dictates of other men to tell me that I did something wrong. That's not how it works in my world. It's like, I know I didn't do anything wrong. So give me one good reason why I should have to go and get a, a permission slip from my government. Give me one. Well, it's very simple. Uh, when we take a look at the Constitution and how it is written, states were given the permission to create their own laws within the bounds of the Constitution. And so those states, the municipalities within them, uh, are able to do that and set up a requirement for a license uh, because it is not something that is big enough to be handled by the federal government. Now, granted, if you take a look at it and you say, well, the federal government handles a lot of other large things, uh, take, for instance, the, the IRS for taxes and mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature, that's fine because there's a huge financial aspect that comes from that, not to say that there wouldn't be one from licensure, but because these states have been granted those rights and even with the, um, even with the, um, oh goodness, what is it? The, the court cases that other people will quote to say, oh, well, licensure is, is not legal because of these Supreme Court court cases. The reality is, is that when you look at the entirety of the ruling, you'll see that the states were given the permission to do so. Yeah, yeah. And we're as long as we're talking about permission, right? Because I understand how all this originated, right? But for me, it's about something way more than that. It's it, it, this, my journey predates any written laws that are in existence, right? It's like, it's, it's called the rule of zero. And what the rule of zero is, we are all supposed to be equal in the eyes of the law. You've probably heard that, right? Do you agree with that? I can understand that statement, but what I want to know is where where did you get the rule of zero and how is that documented? Uh, because the rule of zero, I mean, it's self-evident to anybody because, uh, you know, you should know that we are all equal in the eyes of the law. We are all supposed to be equal in the eyes of the law. That's, you know, pretty much, I, I don't think you'll find an attorney or a judge that will tell you otherwise. And so what the rule of zero means is that, okay, so we're men and women, right? And then we put public public servants in place whoa, 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 whoa. to- before, to... before we get into the, the education on, on the rule of zero, the, the part that I'm struggling with is actually the naming of what it is that you're giving to us. You're calling it a rule, but we have nothing that states that as a rule. Granted, I do believe that in the eyes of the law that we should all be considered equal as far as, uh, just like your recent court case, yeah. uh, you are presumed innocent until you are proven guilty. So with that, yes, you and I would be equal in the eyes of the law if we both had the same exact charges. We're both innocent until proven guilty. It's on the court to prove us guilty. It's on us to ensure our own innocence along with the assistance of uh, an attorney uh, because obviously they have a much better understanding of law than I do. Yeah, yeah. So... With that, I understand that, but what I'm failing to understand is how can we name this a rule? There is nowhere that it is documented that this is a rule. It is, yeah, it may be self-evident. It may be one of these commonalities that we all understand, such as we're all human regardless of race, but where is it written? Well, and I mean, that's, 
that that's a really good you know question on that and i mean for me like i said it delves way deeper than before laws started to get written i mean it's like we 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 have a built-in ethic that we all kind of adhere to right like wolves don't need to write down uh rules to on how ethical behavior between wolves is supposed to be right well that's they, instinctual they they right right it's instinctual right we and Right. And you can go to like, there was, there was a psychologist, his name was Piaget. And what he noticed is that he noticed that when kids played a game, they would play the game by a code of ethics. They didn't write rules down. And as a matter of fact, you take one of those kids out of the game, they can't even articulate what the rules are. So okay, what that so... means is that the, the ethic develops first and then you write it down. So you can make a strong argument that the, the more you write the laws down, the more it uh, complicates things, and the harder it makes to, to differentiate between what's right and wrong. Good. So I, I, I'm glad that we're on the same page here because, yes, it does complicate things. And the reason that it does is because of the nuance of humanity, the fact that we have different emotions, perceptions, ideas, ideals even. And so with that, because of the way that the laws have been written over time, those have come from the core of the community ethic. And as such, the requirements, you have a driver's license, part of that core community ethic as it's been written into law. So what I'm wondering is, why does that not apply to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, the... I'm, I'm not trying to make the argument that certain things should apply to me or certain things shouldn't. Like I, I, I was raised where, you know, you turn 16, you get your learner's permit, you go to driver's ed, and then you go to secretary of state or DMV in a different state uh, to get your driver's license. Right. I think that's the way most of us. Hold on. Sorry. I got some interruptions, guys. What? It's OK. We OK, hold on. I, I'll be right back, guys. Sorry. Uh, sorry to uh, I got a few take a few minutes, guys. OK, not a problem. Um, so while Broken steps away, just want to make sure that, that people know that we are documenting the questions that you're asking in chat to the best of our ability. We have slowed it down to a 60-second uh, timer. Um, okay. Super Chats are not required to ask questions. However, they do help support the channel. So if you want to, you're more than welcome Take to do your so. Low, low. It's, it's not a necessity uh, for anybody to Super Chat or anything like that, but we do appreciate it. Um, hi, Mrs. Kick. Love me. Ooh, woo. Um, oh. And yes, hi to everybody. I apologize. I couldn't get to you all so, uh, so quickly earlier, but I do have plenty of questions documented here. So I, I want you to know that we are paying attention to the best of our ability. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. That's uh, okay. So mistrust had to knock on the door real quick. Sorry. That's okay. So just to get back to my question to keep it very simple, just yeah. based on what you said, the fact that we've written down the laws, the laws have been developed over time. They've come through the constitution, state constitutions, as well as state laws. And as part of those state laws, driver's licenses are a requirement under state law. So with that, yeah, I, you I, would I, then I, agree I, that you should need a driver's license under the law because it follows that same ethical uh, line of progression. Well, I, I understand the need for licensure, you know, like uh, people having licenses, you know, I understand why people should have to have licenses, especially if you're practicing as a doctor, right? Or you're practicing as an attorney, you want a law license, you want to know that that person is proficient and able to do what they're supposed to do. But then you also have on the other side, okay, but then you also have the flip side of that coin, which is, why do I need a government's permission to do something, right? And it's like, I understand we all have to occupy the roads, but my, my, the fundamental uh, reason or what this breaks down to fundamentally is that 
the only uh, the only way you can enforce that law is by force. Okay, anything that has to, it's kind of like spanking your kids. If the only way you can enforce the rules is through punishment, then something is fundamentally wrong with that rule. Well, now let's hold back. Let's let's hold back because where I struggle with this is that you you state that it's a a requirement that you receive permission from the state, and you know I can kind of see a reality on that. Um, let's let's change this up. You in the state that you live in, do you require a concealed handgun license in order to keep a pistol on your on your person? I believe so. I'm not very familiar with uh, you know the concealed carry okay. laws but uh, that's okay you know, but I, just yeah, I have a very basic and, and and again and i have a very novice understanding of the law guys like i have a very basic beginner understanding of law um you know so when, when people tell me like the dunning kruger effect and everything like that i understand i'm a novice and i don't think i've ever told you anything otherwise kick i don't think i've ever made a claim to be a legal guru by any chance by any means i don't think okay. I've ever made and that and that's fine and we 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 both agree on that I, yeah. I, a lot of people here <laughs> agree well, with yeah. that but um the the concept is the same right if in your state which it looks like i, I believe kfar lives close to where you do and and yeah. props to kfar 11 uh new channel he's coming up make sure to subscribe to him um kfar states that you do have to have a, a concealed handgun license in your state. So with that, you have to have permission to carry a weapon on your person, a, a firearm. So with that, are you going to tell me that now you don't want people to have a CHL that requires them to go through maybe some training, testing, validation of performance, as well as understanding of the laws before they're allowed to carry a gun? I mean... If you're asking me for my opinion, and I mean, that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. It comes down to personal responsibility again. You know what I mean? It's like, I know when, when I was like 10 years old, my dad took me out and I had a rifle in my hand. My dad was showing me how he hunts. I'm not a hunter by any means, but it's like, so I was a 10 year old holding a weapon. My dad was teaching me how to hunt. That's usually how it's done, right? So should a 10 year old be able to hold a weapon? Should a 10 year old be able to go hunting? Well, if they're with their dad and they're trying to, and the dad's trying to teach them, of course, right? Like, so I don't understand how anybody thinks that the state intervening and getting involved in that really, you know, is really helps things. I mean, when you learn to drive, hopefully nobody uh, that that's never driven before just hops in a vehicle and goes out on a road. Hopefully it's done the right way where you have a parent that shows you how to drive. Like they sit you on your lap as a kid and you move the steering wheel and then you get to be a teenager, like 13, 14, they take you to some back roads. Yeah. We're right? all familiar with that process. I mean, yeah, I yeah. drove, I drove my dad's manual uh, Mitsubishi back in the day in a, in a parking right. lot. And then he drove it back home until right. I got my license. And right. then, that I think is where we have a, a disconnect is that the licensure process, be it for a concealed weapon or for driving a vehicle, is to ensure that personal responsibility does exist. You have to test to validate your knowledge. And that's what the state is looking to do is to validate that you have the ability to be personally responsible behind the wheel of the vehicle, the same way that a CHL would state that you are personally responsible to carry a firearm. Sure, I could understand that. And listen, I'll even I'll even concede the fact that, you know, for me to have a license would help me because then if I had a job uh, offer come in to be a driver, like an Uber driver, right, I could take that position, right? So 
It's not like I don't want to get a license. Like I would, I would love to be able to get my license and go do DoorDash or Grubhub or, you know, anything for a second source of income. Cause you know, right now I'm plowing snow and I'm, you know, self-employed and struggling to make ends meet. I'd love to have a second job where I could go out and be a driver. Right. So it's like, I I'm totally on board with wanting to get a license. What I'm not on board with is that my piece of plastic expired and people think they have the right to lock me in a cage for 90 days over that. That just is ludicrous to me. It's like, okay, so what extreme level should we take it to to get compliance? Uh, the extreme level would be, well, let's torture somebody or let's, you know, uh, crucify him for not getting the, for not getting that piece of plastic renewed, right? It's like, what level would we take it to to get compliance is what I'm asking. That, that sounds to me, though, like it's, it's almost a, a very extremist viewpoint on that. Um, well, yeah. Because, I mean, let's, let's let's go with your line of thinking. Okay. So, all right. I didn't renew my piece of plastic. Matter of fact, my piece of plastic comes up, uh, to expire in about three months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually look forward to going in to renew it because I need to take a much better picture. Um, <laughs> that's the and, number one reason, by the way, you know, to get a new ID. <laughs> I need, I need, I need a better picture, but at the same time, you know, I realize the consequences of my action. And so, my question to you is then based on what you understand, regardless of the law or, or anything else, uh, what do you understand the potential consequences you face down the road with this type of approach that you have? Well, absolutely. I mean, there, I could spend 90 days away from my kids. My kids could be at home without their dad. I already did one day in jail and it was basically, I called my fiance from jail and there's my son on the other line. I'm sitting behind bars because, uh, you know, I was trying to make sure I had a recording of my, of my court hearing. Right. Okay. And so I'm thinking to myself, yeah, of course, you know, but it's like, we're all going to suffer and die at some point. There's no escaping the suffering and the dying in this world, right? So it's like I people think that I'm bringing this undue suffering upon myself. I could see that argument. But the way I see it is I cannot be th threatened or coerced into doing anything. If you're going to threaten me and you're going to coerce me, I'm going to take a stand and say that that's wrong. That is fundamentally wrong. And I am on a mission for truth. I'm on a mission to seek out the truth. And what it is, you heard that prosecutor say herself, she's willing to dismiss the more serious charge if I just paid the fine. So this is about $345 to them. They just want to get $345 and call it a day. Well, so, I mean, wouldn't like you? I mean, uh, who's going to pay the $345? Well, I mean, that would be you then, because right, you were exactly. the one who was, who was found guilty if you were to plead be in found that guilty. manner. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, Either if I didn't have... be found, but I, I, what I want to understand more is your, your concept of coercion. Uh, and I'm pulling this from Google. Anybody can do it. C O E R C I O N. It is the practice of persuading someone to do something by using force or threats. Now, what I is jail? Uh, what is jail? Uh, uh, locking you in a cage if you don't cooperate and if you don't do everything. What well, is, I mean, what that's is... the definition. That's the definition that you want to use, but the, the concepts that you're that you're putting out here are very uh, extreme and extemporaneous to the actual appropriate terms because because think about it when you say oh they're locking me in a cage for 90 days and keeping me away from my family yes you think those they're keeping, are the results. Do you think they're keeping the public safe by locking me in a cage 
Well, uh, I would think so because you don't have the license, which shows that you. But are... all I would have had to do, but kick, I'm going to stop you there. All I had to do is pay eighteen dollars and then take a new photo. They weren't going to test me. They weren't going to give me a road test. So, so it's a renewal. Is... That's the thing. You had to right. take a road test to get it in the first place. Right, and all they do with that road test, and then from then on, all you do is go in and take a new picture. It's not like they give you a new road test, so how do they know I'm still a good driver? They'll know because of your driving record, the amount of okay, tickets so that a... you get in infractions. I'm glad you brought that up. I have a stellar driving record. Do you? Because it sounds to me like you've actually got some issues where you were pulled over 12 times, and so by that logic, I would say that your stellar driving record is not so I stellar. Was... I was never given a ticket. I was never given a ticket. I was charged the one time, but I pled out to um, to uh, obstruction charge, so that didn't go on my driving record. So nothing. Okay. I, I've had nothing on my record except for a fender bender accident, maybe like two years, three, three and a half years ago, something like that. A fender so bender why not accident. Pay the eighteen dollars then. Uh, for me, it's become about like I said, it's about something bigger than that. It's like. I know I'm a good driver. I don't have to ask anybody permission to go out and drive. So but the state has deemed it and it's ruled by the Constitution, the state Constitution that you must. And so thereby, just because you don't want it to apply to you doesn't mean that that's the right answer. I want I want I want laws that we all know that are wrong to apply to me. That's what I want. I want like, for example, how is it wrong to require that you have a driver's license? How is it based wrong? on based on what you conceded to earlier that because of the Constitution providing states the rights to create those laws and those laws, meaning that you must have a license. How is that incorrect? Because how, how is that a bad law? Because I don't see it as a way to keep the public safe, because okay. if that was the case, then but you conceded to that have... point. What's that? You conceded to the point that because in order to get a license, you have to prove your your capability and capacity to drive a vehicle and that you have learned the rules of the road, that that provides a level of safety for the rest of the masses as an individual and a civilian. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? But what I'm saying is a lot of people like your parents could take out like, for example, there was a, a gentleman. He's like 82 years old. And he got pulled over, never been in an accident with, in his life. The cop said, can we have your license? He says, I've never had a license in my entire life. And there so are I don't some think... people from those periods of time where licensure wasn't really a thing, or if it was, right. it wasn't really a requirement, and so they have grandfather clauses. But you're not right, from right. that time period, and so that doesn't apply to you. Right, right. So, I mean, there's no way to run the study to see what would have happened if they didn't start running uh, to requiring licenses. So it's not like we know whether the roads would have been safer or not. All I'm saying is that, you know, if, if the if the fact of you getting a license kept the road safe, you would expect zero fatalities. Uh, well, you could say the same that. thing about getting medical insurance or yeah, just yeah. staying home all the time. I mean, do you realize that a majority of people who die, die in their own homes? I mean, it, it now staying home isn't safe. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean I we this. can dive we can dive that deeply into all of that stuff. But the problem that I have with what your argument is, is that this is an individual approach to things that you do not like. And so what I'm trying to figure out is why does your perspective, why does your perception on these laws seem to apply to the rest of humanity? Why must we all uh, accept that from just the way that you see it rather than the way that the rest of the world and the community on those ethics that we talked about and agreed on? have built those laws. But I'm not Why asking Why doesn't that. it apply to you? But, I, but I'm not asking that. What I'm saying is like, if I don't want to renew a license and you do, we should both be able to make that choice. 
I mean, once okay. you once you've proven the initial like, hey, I know the the rules of the road. Like, I always plan on operating a vehicle or driving a vehicle, quote unquote, driving a vehicle, right? I always plan on doing that safely, anyways. I mean, I had a stellar record with Uber. I had a four point nine out of five star rating. I had zero accidents, zero, um, you know, and they they track you pretty good with Uber. I mean, like your GPS is did so you sensitive. Have a, did you have a valid license while you were driving for Uber? Oh yeah, of course. Well, I had to because I, you know, obviously I was employed. You were driving in commerce. Yeah. Yeah, obvious, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, and if you drive in commerce, that makes total sense. It makes a hundred percent sense why you should have to. Now, if you want to drive in your personal capacity, like if my fiance wants to take a car up to the corner store, you know, she th- there should be no person in this world that has the right to interfere with her ability to run up to the store. Do there you realize? No- do you realize her ability to run up to the store is paid for by those licensure fees? that those streets are paved and and repaired for the public use based on those fees. And so because of that, does she not, or do you not then have a responsibility to those roads that you are now using? Because they're no longer really truly public roads. Okay. And also, yeah, and I understand that logic. Just to, just to go back to your other thing there that you have the right to make a choice. No one's taking that away from you. I, I want you to know that, that you have the right to choose that you don't want to pay for your license renewal. You don't want to pay for insurance and things like that. And that's totally fine. The problem is, is that you cannot be, you cannot be uh, shielded from the consequences of those decisions that you've made. Oh, of course, of course. I'm not. And of, uh, of course there are always consequences for her actions. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, I, you know, those consequences wouldn't apply to me. I mean, it's like, okay, so if somebody wants to do that, I guess what it boils down to for me, for example, like I've haven't had a, a my license renewed and all the cops in my area know it. I had a, a chat with a detective. I said, I have no license. If I come up there to talk to you, is anybody going to, you know, like give me a ticket for, you know, taking my vehicle up to the substation and talk to you? He goes, no, we don't care about that. Come on in. Right. I've also had cops that they're like, hey, you know, we don't really care. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. So it's like that. Like I said, you know, it, for me, it boils down to it's the same thing as the, the drug war. Right. It's like the, the state doesn't have a duty to intervene unless there's been loss, injury or harm that's been done to another human being. They have no right to intervene. So let's let's step away from the let's step away from the licensure. And, and of course, the questions uh are going to continue to roll here. We've got quite a few. Um, Now you brought up your Uber stuff. You explained how safe of a driver you are and Uber has that requirement for you to be licensed. They take a cut of your profits. Mm -hmm. Now, when you take a look at the state and the state requiring you to be licensed, I believe, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that you stated that that is a form of extortion. So if Uber is doing a similar requirement through their policy, which is not a law, how does that not meet the same elements of extortion as the licensure by the state? Well, it goes back to the voluntarism uh, aspect, right? I voluntarily signed up to drive for Uber. So I voluntarily, just like we... As content creators on YouTube, we voluntarily subject ourselves to the rules that YouTube has. We agreed to that. We so, agreed to that. 
Okay, so you agreed to that, but you also agreed to initially when you went and got your license the first time, the fact that you had a valid license. So yeah, by yeah. that, were you not then contracted to the state based on your belief? You know what? The, a lot of people see it that way, but here's here's where that breaks down, right? Because people will say that all the time. Like if you sign up and get a license, that gives the state jurisdiction over you, right? And the whole jurisdiction thing, just real quick, in a military court, if you ever ask them to provide you with factual evidence jurisdiction, they'll slap it down in front of you so fast with your enlistment document and say, here, do you see your signature right there? You signed up for this. So that's where the jurisdictional argument comes in in a criminal setting. It's like none of us have actually signed a document stating we're going to give jurisdiction to our state. None of us have ever done that. And when you, you want to know why? License, it's well, very simple. Most, most people assume that jurisdiction, do you, most people think that jurisdiction is implied. No, it, it's, it's very simple. It is implied because you can't choose where you're born. The jurisdiction is an automatic. So the locale with which you are born is where the jurisdiction exists. If right. you perform a criminal act as, you know, purported by the statutes, codes and laws of that state, then you are within that jurisdiction. And by receiving an infraction or citation, it is a territorial jurisdiction. But so, jurisdiction is so much more than just territory. It's the power of the court to hear the case. That's what. And because that court is. is in the municipality where you receive the infraction, then the court has jurisdiction. Yeah, and they gain personal matter jurisdiction, but it does nothing to give you subject matter jurisdiction, which goes back to the whole corpus delecti thing that we talked about initially, which corpus delecti is show me the body of evidence. And, right, and I can give you an example of where there's no victim, but how you can establish corpus delecti without a victim. And you can do that, for example, with somebody that ha has had four DUIs. If they've had four DUIs, they've been given due process of law, they were a legitimate threat to the community. And let's say these were all DUIs that didn't involve an accident or anything. It was just some dude driving drunk, right? Anytime you have that, you have corpus delecta. You have a body of evidence stating that that person was threatening their community four times. So if you bust them a fifth time with it, They've been given due process of law. You can establish enough corpus delecti to gain subject matter jurisdiction. That's my understanding of it. And I've I've talked about this at length with uh, with with criminal prosecutors, you know, so it's not it's not me. Uh, these aren't my words. These are this is me telling you what this criminal prosecutor uh, or criminal defense attorney said. So, so so let's let's go back to the idea of the the logic that you have for the extortion. So uh, let me, let me, let me build this for you. Let's, let's take a trip to fantasy world by your logic. I can buy my own private tent. Okay. And I can camp in your backyard. And since we don't have an agreement that I cannot pitch that tent in your backyard and sleep there and you say, no, where's the injured party? But that's a logical fallacy because you're now trespassing on somebody else's property. Okay. So that's, and that's where that logic breaks down. I'm not trespassing on somebody else's roads. Those are public roads that have been paid for with public funds. Well, and hang tight. I, hang tight. You're part yeah. of the public funds too because you paid yeah. into it when you got your right. license and so did your wife. So right, right. along that, even if you say that you want to use the space, wouldn't it be a problem that I just moved to another room, of, another portion of the yard? Well, no, the tent because is my private property. Right, but it's but if it's somebody's private property, there's a difference between private property and public property. Roads are public, you know. Or if we're talking about public roads, those roads are open to the public. So just like 
my son is driving and Wu Bacon even said it about the golf carts, right? And then he sends me the golf cart uh, clause in Michigan, all the laws in Michigan. It's like, well, I thought the, the judge just defined a driver as anybody in actual physical control of a vehicle. So that would, that would put a golf cart in that class. So, so do you see how confusing these laws start to get once you start to write them down? It becomes convoluted. Nobody can make sense of what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong. We instinctively know what's right and what's wrong. And I instinctively know that I have done nothing wrong. Okay, so back to what you said, though, about the public uh -huh. roads and them being paid for by the public. I imagine that you're talking about taxes and other forms of finances that are gained by the government. So mm -hmm. I'll just leave a dollar in your mailbox. Well, but we didn't agree to that. But we didn't agree that I couldn't. But you're still on private property and you're not on public property. So like, then would you remove me? Well, you'd be, if you were trespassing and I asked you to leave, then you should leave. Would you do it by threat of force? Well, if somebody's trespassing on you and they're not will, and you know, force is it becomes necessary. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm not against using force to you know, for example, to defend yourself, right? I'm not against using force. Like if I saw somebody hitting my kid, damn right, I'm going to intervene, and we're going to do we're, violence is going to be a is going to be a certainty, right? But like I said, it, it comes back to volunteerism. If there's no agreement between me and the guy camping in my backyard, or if I choose to pitch a tent in somebody's backyard, if that's their private property, they ask me to leave. I am now trespassing on their land. I need to leave. Okay. So then would you have the police remove me? I would hope it wouldn't get to that point. I would hope we would be civil human beings that understand the, you know, a basic ethic, which is, hey, it's not your land or it's not your property. You need to leave when somebody asks you to leave. I think that's, you know, like super basic. Okay. So based on everything that we've just gone over, you said that the government is illegally extorting you because they take money from you for driving and you never I didn't say they were illegally agreement. extorting me. But wait, okay. Well, uh, that they're extorting you because they take money from you for your driving and you never entered in, into an agreement. And that you agreed that Uber can do the exact same thing because either one of you can exit the agreement. You have the, the right to exit that contract. Cool. So if that's the case, if I'm camping in your backyard in my private tent, regardless of whether or not you want me to, because we don't have an, a mutual agreement, then I can't. But you're talking about something where there's a there's mutual agreement between two parties to do something versus no agreement between two parties and people just being able to do whatever the hell they want. Mm, okay. So I don't I don't see like that the the gap in logic there is just too wide for me to put those two things as you know it, like I don't understand how they correlate or how those two things you know. Well, it's very simple. I mean, I'm not extorting you. Right. I'm dropping money off in your in your uh, mailbox to pay my taxes. I've got my private property that I'm in. I, I'm not abusing any privileges. I'm not doing anything against the law. I'm just camping in the backyard and I've paid the taxes. So, yeah, if we agree to it, cool. If we don't agree with it, then I have I take issue with it. You know, I don't but think that's but that's where I have a problem is that. I wasn't born with an automatic agreement with all of the laws that are in place, but I still follow them so that well, you have I don't an, deal with the repercussions. Yeah, you have an ethical duty to, to obey them. You have so an then why don't you? Obey them. Uh, well, it depends. An ethical ability, you have an ethical responsibility to adhere to 
rules that don't need to be written down. Like, you know it's wrong to steal from somebody, right? You know it's wrong to rape somebody. You know it's wrong to murder somebody. You don't need that written down anywhere to tell you that that's I wrong. know that, but there are lots of people who still do it regardless of if it's written or not. Right, and so that's that kind of makes my point is that so you so it doesn't prevent it from happening. So I don't see that's where the gap in logic is for me is that it doesn't prevent it from happening. Then you don't have the ethical responsibility to follow the law and you're making those same decisions then. But again, what are we talking about as far as laws? And I'm talking about law, like there's laws that are defined by the state. Yeah. But you, okay. So when you talk about law, you have a lot of different, you have universal law, then you have common law, then you have international law, then you have uh, federal law, then you have local law. I get that, but none uh, of that applies law, then have, to you. Then you have ordinances, right? And I think right now we are in violation of universal law, where we have a we have a system that's set up and broken system, broken trust, right? The broken system is if there's a cop out there that is vengeful against you, he can pull behind you. He can look for any minor little infraction. And basically, if. if you're going one mile over the speed limit, he can give you a ticket for one mile over. If you're going one mile under, they can say you're impeding traffic and give you an infraction one mile under, right? What if, what so if, like, what if? That's the same thing I deal with my kids every night. Dad, what if yeah. the sun didn't go up tomorrow morning? I don't know, kid. It, it, <laughs> right? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a physicist, but we can't play what ifs, right? We have to, we have to deal with things as they legitimately are. And so uh, where I'm taking some some struggle with understanding where you're coming from is that you've literally agreed to the ethical understanding of following the laws and so because of that i would think that somebody like you who served in the marines would have taken an oath to defend the constitution and as such should be subject to the defense of the constitution as well yeah, and I also think that technology has got us to a point where the technology is the excuse for the government to start stripping away your rights slowly but surely. Okay, so with that being said, if the government is going to strip away our rights slowly but surely, don't you think that the actions that you're taking, especially the ones in public where you're cop-watching or auditing, that those could be a, a reasonable cause for those laws to be created? Like, do you not think that one day that we may suffer a limitation on our First Amendment rights because of the Lanto law that just went into effect? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I listen that you bring Listen, that's a very, very good point, man. That that is an excellent, excellent point. When when I do my live streams, I've actually talked about this a few times where it's like we we all understand that the live streaming cameras are a new technology. Right. So where should where should the boundaries be? Where does your First Amendment right end? And when I it think infringes on yours. Right, right, right. Exactly. So I think we're at a new uh, point with technology where we have to have these discussions, which is like, you know, that's why I want to come up and do these shows is so that we can talk about it and discuss it. Like, I mean, let's just talk about some clear no-nos on the First Amendment, right? Just because you have the right to film in public, I'm not going to go walking into a public restroom and start filming somebody's genitalia, right? Okay, that's so a wait a second. Gentlemen, I'm going to uh, cut it off there. And we're yeah, going- yeah to move on to audience questions and super chats. Oh, that's all right. I actually yeah, kind of yeah. wanted to, I, I, can we, can we just finish this quick topic here real, real fast? Oh, okay. I just want to, okay. I, I'm actually enjoying this because this is going a bit longer than what we normally do, but, uh, I, I, I still have quite a few questions I want to get through. Um, so the first thing is you're right. 
you shouldn't go into a restroom and film somebody's uh, genitals just because you have the ability to do so. I would agree with you on that. However, where I struggle with this is on the First Amendment is it does not designate that a camera in the First Amendment is a form of free speech because the camera isn't doing any speech. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's more it's more covered under uh, free press than anything because Brandsburg okay. versus is the case law on. on what was that case law? Uh, Brandsburg versus it uh, established that um, basically it's the First Amendment. It's the right to press as an individual right, not confined to newspapers and periodicals. Brands, and Brandsburg extend, v Hayes. Yeah, Brandsburg versus Hayes, and it establishes that the right to press is an individual right, not confined to newspapers and periodicals. So. Um, but, you know, just going to some of the quick no-nos again. And listen, if we have to stop this discussion and pick it back up on another show, I'd be happy to do that if we run out of time because I love having these these discussions. No, no, these... We're, 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 we're keeping going. And what I'm looking yeah. at here is I'm actually looking at the case brief. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just, just for those that aren't familiar, a staff reporter by the name of Brandsburg published an article which detailed his perception of Jefferson County residents making marijuana hash. The residents claim they made about five grand in about three weeks from selling the hashish. After receiving a subpoena, Brandsburg refused to provide an identification for the court. The court ordered him to answer despite his claim that his identification was protected under the First Amendment. Um, So there were two other reporters that were summoned. Um, They both also claimed protection under First Amendment. Uh, and the rule that was applied, a state may require a news reporter to testify before federal or state grand juries regarding information the reporter obtained in confidence without violating the First Amendment. So the judgment was that they affirmed the news reporter's convictions for contempt. As such, based on just reading that case brief, I would say that what you're trying to argue is not going to function because those people were found to be incorrect and were within contempt. So how does that help your argument? Well, Brandsburg versus Hayes, like you have to read the case summary, I believe. I'll I'll look it up because I I know I'm certain on this. Brandsburg I will send, I will link it here in the the chat. This comes from legaldictionary.net. Yeah, yeah. Um, And if I'm incorrect on something, I prefer when people, you know, help me understand if I'm incorrect on something. But there's a very important piece of that case that I think that you're missing. And that is when we take a look at the First Amendment of the Constitution, they talk about free press. The free press that is used in the Constitution is in a way that we are able to talk about how those we elect into office are performing at their position that we've elected to. And those people that were in the Brandsburg v. Hayes case were actual members of the press. You are not a member of the press. Well, yeah, you don't, it's not like I work for a news station. So you're correct in that aspect. But So how anybody, does that apply to the First Amendment when because you're talking anybody, about the camera? Because anybody that has a vehicle information or could disseminate that information to the public is considered a member of the press. Like, well, there's no, no there's no licensing or anything where they issue press passes. There's nothing. I, I get that. Right. I get that. And press passes would be issued by legitimate news agencies. And you, yeah, yeah. you and I, because of social media, of course, there's that blurry line that we could be considered some form of of media representatives. But that's the thing. That is what they would call civilian media. Yeah, yeah. So, and I would hope I would hope that everybody would go out and kind of, you know, explore the ethics of journalism and like i said i 
am, I am an amateur journalist. I'm not trying to say I'm a professional or like I have press passes. I actually want to look further into the ethics of filming, right? Because I, I, I want to make sure that um, being ethical about what I'm doing. Okay. So with that, when you go and film things, do you not apply the five point approach that journalists within a position of media would apply to any news story that they go to film or cover? Well, but you're talking about me and from my individual, like I'm just trying right, to that's, tell the, that, right, this I'm is about interviewing the, you. I want to know where yeah. your, where your mind frame is. Yeah. Yeah. With me, it's, I'm telling the story. I'm telling my daughter's story because she's only eight years old. Now she's nine. She was eight when my journey into YouTube started. I'm telling her story for her. She's not old enough to tell her story. So I use YouTube as my platform to tell the story of the pain of a little girl that got embroiled into a, a custody battle with me and my family. Right. So I want to tell her story up until this year. She was with her dad. 50% of the time. And then for two months, she was cut off from her dad because her mom died. And so we had no more reason for a guardianship. I'm telling my story. So if you ask me individually, if I'm press, I have to get her story out. I want people to know what that little girl has gone through. My press story is all about me and it's very personal to me. That's why when you see CPS come to my door, it's a good thing I watched all those cop watching uh, uh, videos because I knew exactly what my rights were. I knew exactly what to say to them. I knew exactly how to get rid of them. And within a week, I had them gone, gone out of my life. It was a hellish week. It was unfair to everybody that was involved. Mostly it was unfair to all three of my kids. And I've, I've actually participated in a study called uh, on a term called surveillance. And I participated in the study. And what it was is there's researchers from a college. It's called the open or uh, behind closed doors study. You can Google behind closed doors. I was a participant in that study in surveillance. S-O-U-S-V-E-I-L-L-A-N-C-E, I believe is how it's spelled. But it's called surveillance. And what it is is if you have social workers show up at your house, you, you record them. And it basically levels the playing field. It basically puts you on the same level field as them and it's just another term for personal recording yeah exactly personal recording so and of course that ties into you know cop watching right because how many people do you think in this country have been convicted when it was the cops word against theirs but they had no recording okay so let's 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 start right there so mm -hmm. with this personal recording um when you went to the court and recorded did you ask the court for permission to record before no, you went in. Not. No, okay. absolutely not. I did do a a small review of that information. I just I, I want to share this with you. Um if you bear with me, I just need to pull up my, my screen. Is it eight dot one one five? No. Um Okay. Because 8.115 is what the Michigan Supreme Court came out with uh for recording at a courthouse. Okay. Well, here here's the here's the deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you're going to record things at that personal level, you have a responsibility when you record stuff, right? Absolutely. You have a responsibility to not record faces of people that did not give you their permission to do so for a commercial-based activity. Absolutely. And, and, and from an ethical standpoint, I try to point the camera away from people to protect their identity, like in court. For example, I'm not going to try to uh, do any jury tampering or uh, witness that may be in a witness protection program because she's, you know, a battered wife or something. I don't want to capture her identity whatsoever. The only reason I bring the camera to the court is to document my own affairs 
at that public courthouse. I'm not there to get anybody else's information. I'm not there to try to, you know, um, uh, what is it? Identity theft. I'm not trying to steal somebody's identity. I just want to document what's going on from my personal experience. So I have an accurate record of what happened. Okay. So I'm going to hit you with a few questions and let's try to keep these brief. So that way we can yeah. jump to the uh, chat questions here. Sure. Uh, why Mark Stevens? Uh, he's, I, he, it's, it's not a Mark Stevens script. It was, it was originated by Mark Stevens, but you guys can check out oratorical prowess or ethics instead. And he came out, he, he revamped all of Mark Stevens stuff and took it to the next level. It's like Mark Stevens on steroids. Okay. So when you're calling it voluntarism, would mm -hmm. you say that David Rodriguez would be another name that you would associate to? I don't even know who David Rodriguez is. I Just to give you some, uh, some insight, I don't know how many of our videos that you've watched, but Van Balian and Schrodinger and many others did a video on him where mm -hmm. he was doing hardcore parkour uh, while they were trying to uh, tow his car. Uh, for $15,000 in unpaid parking tickets. Uh, and he claimed <laughs> voluntarism uh, the entire time. So that's that's one of the things I was trying to point out. Um, yeah, yeah. So his consequences obviously had consequences for believing in voluntarism when nobody else did. Okay. So now the next question, uh, this one is going to be a little tough. So do mm -hmm. understand. Uh, were you ever court-martialed? Uh, I was up for a court martial. Yes. Okay. Do you mind going into any form of detail on that? Oh yeah. I, well, I talk about it in my videos. So anybody that wanted to, you know what I mean? I openly talk about this stuff because I was in the Marines and I, again, I had a good childhood. I never got in trouble as a kid, never any disciplinary issues. I was very good uh, as a kid. Um, and then I went in the Marines and just like four years in, uh, in high school. Right. And then a lot of people get a case of senioritis. Have you ever heard of that? Yep. That's basically how I was in the Marines. I had been in there for three years. I had my good conduct medal. I was really um, it just, I was just done with my service, right? And I, do I regret not, um, you know, fulfilling my contract? Of course, I, I regret it to this day. Uh, but I lost out on some of my veterans benefits. I, I just went up and partied with chicks in LA. And then I came back and I tested positive on a drug test. And then okay. after that, um, I was uh, giving somebody a ride home from a Marine Corps ball and I blew a 0 .04 at the gate because I had been drinking every, pretty much all the Marines drink at the Marine Corps ball, right? I blew a 0 .04 coming through the front gate at, at the base, but because I was 17 days away from being 21, um, I was that they, they threw those charges on there as well. But like I said, I had my good conduct medal. I had three years of honorable service. So they basically looked at it like, hey, we're just going to let you out. We'll give you a general discharge. I was like, all right, cool. That's awesome. And then they were like, okay, see you later. But okay. I still qualify for some of my veterans benefits, uh, but not all of them. Okay. So uh, next questions. Uh, during your time with Uber, you were pulled over by the police, uh, which led to an arrest, correct? Correct. That was an arrest. Okay. Yep. All right. So during that time, why were you driving that woman to a location that you knew to be a trap house or drug dealer? Oh, she was going to get her personal amounts of, of drugs. I pretty much, you know, but I didn't ask. You know what I mean? It's not like I asked. I just, I kind of knew what she was doing. So, you know, I'm not going to play stupid or anything like that. Uh, but what I really, what I really didn't like about that whole situation is that everybody was lying. Everybody that got pulled over, 
or when I got pulled over, the police were lying to us and saying, hey, if you cooperate, everything will go better. She was lying, stating that the drugs were me, were mine, and I was lying. I was lying to the cops and saying, hey, I don't know anything about this, right? So all three parties are lying to each other. Okay, so then my next questions, which I imagine you already know what they're going to be. Um, sure. Did she or did she not hand you cash to drive her rather than her be a standard Uber fare? Uh, no, it was a standard. It wasn't an Uber fare. This was a girl that I had known, you know, in my personal. So basically what it was is I had uh, turned on Uber and I was close to home. I didn't ping a ride for about 20 minutes and I needed some gas money to get started. So I gave her a ride down there. She was going to give me 20 bucks so I could start doing Uber for the day. And I had enough cash to uh, make it on the run. So, you know, my, my whole goal was to run her down to the spot, bring her back, and then I would go out to work, you know? Okay. Um, so with that, why did you hide the crack pipe under your seat? Because she started panicking and like, you know, uh, she's panicking. I'm cool. I'm like, hey, just, you know, don't say anything. And, you know, it's a traffic stop, right? We'll be out of here in 10 minutes. So, just so knowing, so knowing full well that it was there, that she was there to pick up drugs, why did you not tell the officer the purpose for being there? Well, like I said, everybody why did you lie, scene, essentially? Everybody at that scene was lying to each other. Okay. Because you so, don't want to get because you don't want to get in trouble. So I mean, that's, that's an unwritten anybody. rule of ethics that everybody's lying. So we're all gonna lie. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm not saying I was right. I was no, just I'm saying, just. I, I'm I'm trying yeah. to get to the bottom of 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 what your what your understanding was of this because the the way it sounds to me is that if the police are lying and she's lying, well, the last thing I want to do is be involved in any form of lying. So I'm gonna tell the truth so those people can f off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was, I mean, nowadays, personal responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I accepted, you know, I eventually accepted personal responsibility for it. But again, it goes back to, and that's where I started watching all the courtroom videos and learning how to defend myself in a court of law, because I never wanted to um, be threatened with being away from my family for eight years, away from any sort of social connection, being locked in a cage, locked up with murderers, rapists, you know, people that are going to damage you probably permanently for life. I mean, those are some serious, hardcore consequences. And okay. like I said, I mean, so that's where I really, I took that opportunity like, um, like here's where I'm going to learn how to defend myself for doing something that I know wasn't wrong. Okay, so then the next question is, based on the police history, and this is the last question that I have here for you before we get mm -hmm. to, the, to the chat questions. Yeah, yeah. Why did you fail to obey the conditions of your release and go to drug counseling? What do you mean? So based on what I've read on the police reports and the conditions of your release from that stop is that there was a requirement for you to go to drug counseling. Why did you not go? No, they ordered drug testing. I drug tested for a year and I drug tested negative on every drug test. Okay. All right. Yes, yeah, they, well, they never ordered any sort of drug treatment. The only time I've ever been ordered to go to drug treatment or anything like that was when I got busted for having an apia weed on me back in 2005. Okay. <laughs> so, and I had to go to a little drug retreat thing for that. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of funny. And that's where I kind of learned too. It's like, you know, with weed laws, right? And I heard you say that you've written some of your legislature or legislators about weed. That's how I view pretty much any personal amount of drugs, right? Unless you're out there trafficking drugs or unless you're a member of the cartel doing violent things and being a terror on the community. 
I mean, if you have personal levels of whatever substance you want to put in your body and you're an adult, I don't have any right to tell any other adult what to do or what they can and can't put in their body. Okay. We're adults. Well, um, I have a few other questions here that I've uh, documented. Um, if you bear with me, mm -hmm. I'm just adding another fez here. Um, <laughs> so uh, first and foremost, pronoun 1990. I want to thank you. You have sent in three super chats for a dollar 99. Uh, the final one says broken, have fun in jail for 90 days. That wasn't a question, but I appreciate the support for the channel. Um, let's see. Uh, I also received a message from pronoun to hold his feet to the fire. I think we've, we've pretty much done that. Um, Scriptcat uh, for a six-month uh, Crazy Karen's member says, without laws, how do you control your neighbor's actions? Um, well, it's a built-in ethic. I mean, you do it hopefully through personal responsibility and you know how to behave as neighbors. Okay. Just like, uh, just, just like how do you behave when somebody passes away? You express your condolences and you wish the family nothing but peace and, and, and you know, uh, comfort during that time. Okay, so... I guess the idea is to then trust everybody and I assume trust, that everybody listen. is going to be okay and do the right <laughs> no, thing. It, I, no, don't send a kid out in the world being naive and say you can trust everybody. Hell, that, hell no. They, then you teach your kids to go off with strangers. It's like, no, you you teach your kids he's a stranger. You get to know him before you extend your trust to him. Okay. Uh, some old dude for $10 said he doesn't understand what governments are for. So how do you handle some fool who falsely claims to know how to drive? Who stops the fool? I mean, if he's talking about me, I had a great driving record, so I don't know. What no, 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 no. The question about. was if, if there's no government, right. Uh-huh. And there's somebody out there that's driving like a maniac. Who's, Oh, I got them? you. I got you. I understand the question. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have police and that you shouldn't have police out there. And, and we actually talk about this in the law discussion group that I participate in. We have cops that actually attend the law class and we bring up DUIs all the time. That's the number one issue that gets brought up. And it's like, okay, if somebody has a DUI, I don't think you're going to convince any mother of mad that you shouldn't have to intervene and take that person off the road. I don't think you're going to find that. I'm not trying to justify people that threaten society. What I'm saying is, um, you know, if you bust somebody three times for speeding and they're going 20 miles over and they're obviously a rec uh, reckless um, threat to the community, yeah, hit them with a hit them with a fine, hit them with a speeding ticket. You're going to have my full support. But that's not. But but the question was, without government, how do you handle that? I'm not an anarchist, so. Okay, it it sounded like a lot of what you were you were promoting there was close to anarchism. So that's what I wanted to. Minimal government. To clarify. Okay. Minimal government. No police. No uh, for-profit policing. Okay. Now you're starting to sound like that one guy that I I was listening to a while back. I did a video on um, Andrew Sheets out of Florida. Mm -hmm. If you're ever it, it, after this, I'd like you to to go back and take a listen to to that video. Um, so AZ Jeep girl for $10. Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, some old dude for your, uh, super chat. Uh, how are you plowing snow without a license? Well, it's very simple. I'm not the plow truck driver. I'm sitting in the pastor seat and then I go out and shovel and you shovel the snow that's in front of the driveway so that the plow truck can pull it back. So I hop out, I shovel some sidewalks and then shovel in front of, uh, 
in front of a, a garage. Okay. I had a feeling that you were in the passenger seat when I saw the yeah, video right. that you made like, that Sunday, And that's what so. I didn't understand. Like, people would be like, oh, you're out driving. You're <laughs> out driving. Like, driving in commerce, even. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? Driving in commerce. Then I would have had to have a license, guys. I'm not, a, I'm not, completely, <laughs> I'm not completely that detached from reality. Oh, man. Driving in commerce isn't a thing. Um, <laughs> Hank's Corner for $5. Thank you, Hank. It sounds like you have a problem with the law. The police have nothing to do with the laws on the books. How do you feel about that statement? I can understand that perception, which is, again, why I like to do these sort of interviews here, because I want people to know I don't have a chip on my shoulder. You can ask me directly, right? And you're asking me directly now. I have no chip on my shoulder against the police. When I was wrong, I was wrong. I don't. I don't view police as like all bad, right? I get to I get to know them on their individual level. I believe police culture is bad, and I believe that that puts police in a bad position. Where I also believe that that gives you your strongest argument for people that do what I do to be out there because you want to get the bad ones out so they don't get the good ones hurt. Okay, so I want to uh, just throw this one out. This wasn't a question, but a statement. Kfar, one of your uh, outspoken. Um, uh, Me and KFAR love each other. Yeah, he's 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 fairly <laughs> outspoken and lives in your area. He said to let you know that he'll get you a job if you stop this shit. What do you think about that? He'll get me a job if I stop this shit. Well, like I said, I'm on a truth mission. And if anybody, like, it, it's so much bigger than just cop watching and, you know, going into courts and recording into courts. That's it's so much bigger than that guys. It's a fundamental um, view of ethics and morals that I have that, that, that you're not going to take it out of me at this point in time, at this point in my life, I'm 45 years old. You're not going to take that out of me. I know right from wrong. And I know a man with a gun that has a fancy car that's paid for with public funds has no right to stop you on the side of the road, approach your, your vehicle with a gun and say, Hey, you did something wrong. Pay us money. And we'll forget all that any of this ever happened. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go through these. Hopefully I'll try and hit the, uh, yes or no questions first. Uh, there are quite a few. Um, so how, I guess we already asked about how you're not an anarchist and that you, described yourself as such you stated that you were all about um limited government just want to clarify yeah. and make sure we understood that um so if you really want to change the system would you run for office yes or no i i don't think i would change the system first off and i don't think i'm fit for public office because i'm not coming at this like i know what the answer is i just know there's a problem i i know there's a problem i don't have the solution okay. I, I don't i don't portray myself as having the solution guys Okay. If YouTube was not to monetize you, uh, would you keep doing what you're doing? If YouTube, well, my whole plan when I was planning on going into YouTube was to set up passive income strategies, uh, like I the the book, um, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so I had, you know, my whole life I worked for somebody else, and so I had already paid my taxes in and all that stuff. And I, at the end of the day, I really wound up with nothing. So if I were to get demonetized, would I still continue to do YouTube? There's a lot of reasons for my YouTube channel that are outside of being monetized, but I would, I would set up two different channels to do that. But um, okay. you know, no, the, the whole goal of my YouTube channel is to set up a system. Like for me, this is my, this is my escape out of being subject to a job that's dependent on like uh, the 
the C word, the, the pandemic, right? I lost two jobs because of the pandemic. I don't want to be vulnerable like that ever again. I want to have a source of income where I could help other people. And again, it goes back into the surveillance topic, the cop watching topic. It goes back into all those things. Hopefully I have something to offer to the world uh, other than my body and my labor because my body is failing me now and I'm 45 years old and I have gout. So hopefully I, I can still contribute to society in some way. And hopefully my YouTube platform gives me an opportunity to find out a way to do that. And I'm not saying like educate other people. The researcher from that study has reached out to me and wants to be a guest on my show. So I hope I can bring people interesting topics and interesting people to, you know, get it, get their information from. Not that I'm the teacher, but I hope to interview teachers. Monsters are such interesting people. Um, if you don't have health insurance, I can take care of that gout for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that your YouTube channel is really making any real change to the government and country that you want? I've, I'm not, I, I never set out with the purpose of changing the government. I you think it will. No, no, no. And I don't mean that as, I don't mean that from a defeated standpoint. I just have too small of a voice. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I, there's, there's no way my little corner of the YouTube universe, my little speck of dust out there is going to affect anything. Okay. If I can do my small part to maybe help it, that would be great. But I don't see myself as being some sort of messiah that's going to come along and get this huge following and, and make this movement happen. Like, are you kidding me? Who the hell thinks who the hell would even think that? OK, um, so the next one is, would you consider doing a week of ride alongs to better understand the officers that you dislike so much? I don't dislike them. So uh, I don't, okay, would you consider, would you consider doing ride alongs with the police? Yeah. But the thing is they would not, they wouldn't take me up on the offer. Like I've offered to have logical discussions. Like we've had tonight. Would you say tonight has been a pretty logical and pretty, um, uh, you know, fair discussion. I can understand that they'll be there for some level of discussion, but the ride along is more about teaching you about their process on a daily well, yeah, basis. To give me an understanding of what they it's go not, through, right? It's not so much, it's not so much for them to be educated for lack of a better term um, by you. It's more for them to educate you if you would. Yeah. Yeah. No. So you're saying go for a ride along. So I have an appreciation for what they do. That yeah, would you be would you be interested in doing that? Uh, of course, I would love to. I, anything I can do to build trust and have um, authentic and organic interactions with people, of course. I hope I could break through the uniform and get to the person that's in there. To to of course, I would be open to that. Okay. Um, do you ever have good interactions with police? And if so, why don't you post those all the time? All the time and i do post them so that's why a comment like that really annoys me because nobody's bothered to do the research oh well i i mean i'm just i'm asking questions okay. that have been brought in asked through the chat okay. so okay, gotcha. this isn't okay. from this isn't from me this is just somebody who asked um okay so apparently he has some good interactions with police uh so if you're interested obviously go take a look yeah if you um, want to go look at there's a clarkston courthouse the clarkston one and clarkston two the first time i went to the clarkston courthouse had great interactions with everybody there we even talked about the constitution what we rights were what the guy 
what the deputy felt his rights were. We had a great interaction at that courthouse. The second time I went, I got a guy who was being smart ass with me and saying he doesn't want me on YouTube. Okay, I understand that. He actually turned out to be pretty cool after that. But I, I try to I try to narrate the story honestly. I don't I don't try to inject my twist on things. I just try to organically and then I just I give what I feel is an accurate uh, play by play, if you will. Okay. I only have a handful left, Taco. Um, uh, so why, if you're not trying to get other people's faces in your videos, why don't you blur those, those faces out? Uh, just, I've never had anybody personally come up and ask me, but if they did, I'd say I'd blur you out. No problem. Even though I am lawfully allowed to do what I'm doing, I would blur you out and I would respect your right to remain anonymous. Okay. Um, now, this one's more about your tone and the way that you approach certain people. Uh, why is it that in some of your videos, you're, you seem to be as polite as you're being with us here and mm -hmm. others, you're, you're very aggressive. Are you, is that more for like a show? Is that like a, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to get some, you know, some excitement some maybe. Um, you know, or is that, is that really legitimately that you're, you're you're feeling well, it that. All, well, it all happens organically. It all happens organically. So it's not like I set out with any intentions to do anything. You know, I, I just plan on capturing what's going on. I plan on, you know, I'll be polite to the, the cop or whoever it, the public servant is, the judge. I, I'll be polite to anybody that's polite to me. Usually the only time you ever see me uh, be impolite to somebody or be a little bit disrespectful is if they're being disrespectful to me. And then How I do just you define I don't... disrespectful. Um, I mean, disrespectful. Well, if you're talking, I have a cop watch that I did in Detroit. I'm having a perfectly logical, cordial conversation with the police officer. And then he points directly, directly at me. He says, you know what? You're bothering me right now. I was like, I'm bothering you. Just two seconds ago, you asked me if I wanted to know what was going on. So he asks me, why don't you ask me what happened? And I said, okay, cool. Tell me what happened. And he said, the guy was driving without a license and he ran a red light. I said, okay. You got something there with the red light. He could have put the public in danger. But the whole licensing, obviously, we know how I feel about the licensing. You don't have the right to steal somebody else's property, even if it's justified in the name of the state, because they haven't had due process of law. You have no right to steal their shit. So, sorry about the cussing. But okay. anyways, that's what I took issue with. And then he points directly at me and he says, oh, you know what? You're bothering me right now. I'm like, dude, you were the one that asked me if I wanted to know what was going on. And then well, he starts walking away and he starts telling me he's going to, he, he threatened to lock me in a cage, man. He threatened I get it. To lock I, get it. I, I get where you're trying to get with that. But what I want to, yeah. I, I guess what I want to get to is more of your general definition of what disrespect is. Uh, I plan on being respectful to somebody until they disrespect me. What I see as disrespectful is, um, you know, I don't take, I mean, playful jabs or somebody making fun of me. I don't see as disrespectful. I, if somebody's, you know, hitting below the belt or, uh, you know, threatening, threatening to lock me in a cage, that's about as disrespectful as it gets. Like okay. if, if, if you or I kick were to go out on the street and threaten to kidnap somebody and lock them in a cage, if they weren't wearing a badge and they threatened to do that to me, they're going to have to do it to me over my dead body. Do you understand? So if somebody has a uniform and a badge, I don't look at it any different. OK, if they didn't have the power of the state behind them, they would never be threatening to lock me in a cage simply for asking them what's going on or wanting to document what's going on. 
But don't you find that it would be disrespectful for you not to be following the laws and as such you are receiving that perceived disrespect as a result of your actions? Uh, well, I only I only ever want to go uh, document public servants. That's all okay. I want to do. And that that checking up on your government, everybody should want to be doing that at this point, especially with the pandemic and especially with so many questionable things happening nowadays. I mean, just on Spotify with Joe Rogan, you know, his whole, his Spotify, that was like the number one broadcast Joe Rogan's ever done. And it's all because people are talking about a pandemic and how, you know, authoritarian government may be pushing its way in permanently. So everybody should have their eyes open at this point and going, hey, we want to document what the public servants are doing. Okay. It's, there's no more important time than now to be documenting what public servants are doing. Because from my experience, the only time people have a problem with the camera is if they're doing something wrong. Okay, so just just for everybody's information, I pulled up the definition of respect. Um, mm -hmm. So f the number one for the noun is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. As a verb uh, is to have due regard for the feelings, wishes, rights, or traditions of. And a similar uh, definition, which I think applies a little bit more to the way that you're describing it is to avoid harming or interfering with. Um, however, a, another similar definition, which falls right underneath it is to agree to recognize and abide by a legal requirement. And so when we're talking about respect and we use that, let's say last definition, the agree to recognize and abide by a legal requirement, if for some reason an officer states that you are in a position where you are doing something that is not meeting a legal requirement, they then have a legal requirement that they must recognize and abide by. So I would find it very difficult to define their actions as disrespectful if they're taking actions because of the legal requirement that they took an oath to perform. Yeah, but at the same time, okay, so with the respect thing, um, let me just answer that in two quick parts. The number one thing, maybe I need to respect myself more with the respect thing. Maybe that's where it comes from, is maybe I need to respect myself more. And what I mean by that is, like, I, I actually went back and listened to some of the things on, you know, Schrodinger's and, you know, with you. And I was actually kind of ashamed, you know, I was like, you know, I should have been more honorable. I should have been, I shouldn't have been making fun of people's names. I shouldn't have been. So maybe the respect thing comes from me needing to be having a, a bigger or a higher level of self-respect. So that's what I would say on the respect thing. But the second part to what your statement was, you know, does a police officer have a, a legal obligation or a, a duty to kind of shoo somebody out of the area? But if you look at the flip side of the coin, if they're doing something bad, don't you think they're going to take advantage of that to get you out of there? So they would, that's, but that's going back to our original conversation about what if, what if, what if. And right, right, right. We, we yeah, are we doing can't those. discuss. Yeah, there's an infinite number of things that can happen. It's impossible to to discuss them all. You know, there was one, there was one uh, uh, cop watch that I did where the cop asked me to back up. I backed up a couple more feet. We had already been cordial with each other and nice. That police department, the the whole police department knows me because they know I go out and cop watch, right? They know I'm no threat to them. They know that I'm no physical threat. And obviously we're nice ex exchanged. Hello, how are you? He asked me to back up. I give him three, three or four steps. And then he asked me to go over by the curb. And I'm like, that's where I draw the line. That's when I started being a dick to him. Okay. Um, so I have two super chats that I saw. And I apologize if I missed any. I hope Taco got the rest here. Um, 
90s nostalgia nerd for $5. Thank you very much. Take a drink every time he says, lock me in a cage. Ooh, woo, kick rocks. Um, <laughs> guys, with this stream, that is... Uh, that that is asking for an emergency room visit uh script cat for ten dollars thank you very much script uh make sure to go and subscribe to her she's a wonderful creator uh she says i'm sick of this term cage you have no idea what a cage is ask a vietnam vet who is locked in a bamboo one. Oh well um, trust me i've been locked in a cage before trust me i know exactly what a cage is well i think that there's definitely a a, a big difference in in the defining terms of it because yeah, are we going to get into who had it worse? Of course, there's always somebody that had it worse than me. I'm not trying to compare my suffering to somebody else's. You can always find somebody that's had it worse than you. Right, and so with that, don't you think that the words that you use to define those things that you've experienced should maybe express a proper level of appreciation and the differences that exist? Well, what's, what, the reason I use lock me in a cage versus go to jail, because we all think, okay, jail, that's where you're supposed to go. When you say lock you in a cage and treat you like an animal and say that you're a danger to society, that should be preserved for real threats to society. People that are out there causing loss, injury, or harm, that are assaulting people, raping people, murdering people, you need cages for animals. Unless somebody is acting like an animal, that's the only reason you send somebody to a cage is if they're acting like an animal. That's my opinion. I think that's a that's a big that's a big trouble because the idea and based on what you've you've said here is that we're all looking for some form of reform when it comes to prisoners and laws and and reform, especially when it comes to jail and prison is a very important topic for me because I believe that the people that are in jail are still human. Yeah. Um, and so when when we use the term cage and we call them animals, don't you feel that that kind of dehumanizes them and creates this almost expectation? Yeah, absolutely. Just by saying that? Well, the last time I went to jail was Nova. I was in there for less than 24 hours. I was consumed by two thoughts. The first thought is at least I'm not uh, nailed to a, at least I'm not staked to a cross and being crucified right now. Jesus Christ had it a lot worse than me. The second thought that can well, let's leave, me let's was, leave, let's leave Jesus out of it. I don't okay, think he wanted but, to be here. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> but the second thought that consumed me was I had seen a documentary on Red Onion, which is a, a prison in West Virginia where they keep people in isolation. They're prisoners are kept in isolation for 23 out of 24 hours. Now, these are, of course, people that have done reprehensible things. Uh, that's the reason they got themselves uh, segregated or locked down for 23 out of 24 hours a day. I was in a jail cell for 24 hours, and I was consumed by the thought of, oh, my God, imagine if this was the rest of my life, cut off from society, alone. Time goes by so slow when you are in jail, and all I could think about was the, those poor prisoners in Red Onion because they are still human beings. They still have to be treated with dignity, no matter how repulsive of a crime they've committed. The, the number one thing you have in this world is redemption. And so you treat people with respect, no matter how uh, much you might want to view them like a, a, an animal. Okay. So uh, the last one that I've got here is from Kit190. Ooh, ooh, Kit. Thank you for the $5 super chat. Um, why do you think you're doing anything useful for society when everyone with intelligence and scruples is telling you there are better ways to do this? Well, but those are opinions. So let me, but let me read back over that because my brain just stopped. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah. So, all right, let's break it down. Do you think what you're doing is useful for society? I don't know. 
Okay. Do I hope th- it is. I hope okay. it is. Would you then concede that the people that say myself, uh, Schrodinger's, the late Schrodinger's cat, um, and many others that are in our group, Artie, uh, Artie's corporate fiction, um, would you find that we are intelligent and have scruples? Oh, absolutely. You guys are definitely the intellectual crowd. Absolutely. So with those two things, if we add it together and we say that you're not sure that what you're doing is useful for society and that we are uh, a part of an intellectual group that you, that you look to for some information, um, would you take it into consideration that the things that we tell you may be a better way to do things? Well, absolutely. I, and, and that's, Part of the reason why I spend so many so much time on your guys' channels is because I need opposing viewpoints. I need people that I would consider in an opposite camp of me. I need to hear those opinions and I need to hear because sometimes when you guys break down an auditor that's acting like a complete ass, that that I feel like it's like, hey, I'm I'm over here. I'm not an auditor, but obviously I identify in that camp, right? But it's like so yeah, I believe that you guys are helping me see some of the trash that's out there that you might need to police uh, of your own, right? So I'm not just backing anybody because they identify as an auditor, but from the, from the majority of people that I've had the pleasure of meeting in the auditing community, they are portrayed on the Watchdog channels as these assholes that are just out to irritate. And I know these piece of people on a personal level, and they are so the opposite of what they're portrayed as. They're such nice people. They plan on doing no harm to anybody. They're perfectly respectful to anybody that's respectful to them. They'll help plug people's businesses. They'll help you loan a car if, you're, if your car gets repoed. I had, a, I had a, a friend of mine let me borrow his car when my car got repoed. Off well, YouTube. Well, and, and that's kind of where I'm going to differ with you on that because I, I don't I don't find that many of them have qualities that I would consider to be friendly. Um and, and maybe it's based on the personas that they want to put out on the internet so that way they can, you know, maybe make money or um maybe they're just the newer versions of the prank channels that YouTube did away with so long ago. Whatever the case may be. Um I do have one more one more super chat here before don't mind, we move I'd like on. to ask it. Uh, from Cyan Rose for four ninety nine. Is that the one, Taco? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, GL doesn't equal cage. What is a cage to? What is a cage to you? Being arrested in jail is not a cage. Well, and, I mean that's that's an opinion. And uh, kind of to go along with that, would it not be better instead of saying, you know, being it, you know, being in a cage or being sent into a cage. You know, just because, just saying, because we've been conditioned well, with him, certain let him, words. Let him finish. Oh, let him finish the sorry. question there. Yeah, sorry, saying sorry. maybe like I felt like I was in a cage or something like that. That, that might has be a, a lot point. different meaning, but still comes across with what you're feeling. Hey, that that that's a great recommendation. Maybe that's the better way that it should be, you know. Um, articulated so yeah i appreciate that feedback and i might i would strongly consider expressing it that way and i think that 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 actually sounds a lot better now that i think about it okay um taco you want to read the last one from some some sure and before that uh we missed a new member az jeep girl uh welcome to crazy karens welcome thank you so much so some old dude for ten dollars 
building up a fake persona that lulls the cops into a false sense of security, then your criminal group strikes. That is why making friends with the cops on shift is a dumb idea. I have to agree with that statement. I think that uh, a lot of the auditors take that approach, that they want to appear friendly with the police that are that are on shift. But really getting to know their names and, and, and Broken, you, you know about many of these, like Glenn Serio uh, and his unhealthy um, obsession with Officer Jacoby, you know... Do you find that, that the officers that you know on a first-name basis are probably not for the best reasons? Um, I mean, I don't know them really. I mean, I know a few of the local guys, but, you know, that's just because, you know, not bad interactions from good interactions. So, I mean, it's not like, like, I don't hold it. Like, the guy from Novi that arrested me when the judge signed that warrant, which, by the way, that was the only time somebody managed to uh, make me feel like I was locked in a cage last year was the judge in Novi. I, I don't even remember that uh, arresting officer's name. He was nice, polite. He was awesome to me the entire time. And he actually was, you know, treated me like he was an officer. He was an officer and he was a great guy. But and unfortunately, I don't remember his name. But uh, do I, the people I know on a first name basis, like I, I don't go out to like stalk anybody like, you know, and that Glenn Serio guy, I didn't even know his name before I started watching some of your guys' channels. And I don't agree with his audit, audit, auditing style. I just, I don't agree with it. And I think he's just out there being a pest. Okay. Does he have the right to do it? He still has the right to do it. I'm just saying it's not a good idea. Okay. Well, I, I think that we've covered quite a bit of ground today. We've gotten to know a lot about you, uh, a lot about what, what makes you tick. And, and even though we still disagree here, I think that uh, we've got a great, um, a great way to end this in a, in a positive manner. Uh, Taco, let's go ahead and hit up with the Taco Five Pack. Yep. And by the way, you have a, you have a lot of nice fez hats. By the way, kick. Thank you. I've <laughs> I've accumulated many. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Eddins just came in with a super chat for nine ninety nine. When you refuse to follow the laws, we have all agreed are necessary for collective safety. You're disrespecting the rest of us who overwhelmingly support the establishment of the laws you flaunt. We have Thank all you very agreed. much, Jeremy. We have all agreed, but we haven't all agreed. That's that's incorrect, but that's not factual because we haven't all agreed to them. Now, the majority of people may have agreed to them or mob rule, but not all of us have agreed to them. I don't think that that's mob rule. I think that that's more of a democracy. It's a, well, it's yeah. a democratic republic. We, we vote and the laws that get put in are put in because of the people that we we vote in. Um, right, but how do we change the laws? If nobody's willing to stand up and say, hey, I think that's a bad, you know, quote-unquote law. Way, how do the we same way that I, I tried to change them here. Um, I wrote a wonderful paper on the legalization of marijuana that crosses both lines of, of Democrat and Republican uh, all the way to centrist. And I touched on all of the fiscal responsibilities that the state could maintain if we decide to make it uh, uh, decriminalized. Um, right. And I wrote and I sent that to my legislators. If we have more people that get in communication with the people that we've voted into office and tell them how we want them to represent us the way that we voted them in to do, then we have to open that line of communication. I Otherwise, agree. we're screaming into the void. I agree. And if we could have meaningful, um, a meaningful impact to do things like that, that would be incredible. 
I don't know that I would be able to do that, but I'm saying if I could contribute to that, that's awesome. One thing I would like to see, one law I would like put on the books and an actual law is nobody can strip you from your ability to make a recording, audio only, of your own court proceeding. Nobody should be able to take that right away from you. I think that there's nothing wrong with doing that. And and based on what I was saying earlier, there is a portion of uh, the court rules, and it's it's very straightforward for all of the courts in the United States, is that in order to receive permission to record, all you have to do is ask the judge. Now, there are some caveats. If you I was denied a Novi, by the way, for when I when I did ask. I did okay. ask that, that judge a Novi and he denied me. Okay, well hang tight because there there are some limitations, obviously. The first is is that uh, on an individual level, they they can approve or deny any request like that to record. And if they do approve it for individual use, it's not to be uploaded. It is for your own personal recording. Well, uh, so I would say it's mine to use how I see fit. If I want to publish that's my not story, the rulings. That's not the rulings, though, for all of the courts in the United States. Yeah, the current, the current ruling... The current ruling yeah. right now for all the courts in the United States is, and this is the baseline that all the judges use, yes. is you have a right to request to record. If you are an individual that wants to record, the recordings are only there for you to use for note-taking purposes. They're not to be used for commercial or news or marketing or anything. Now, if you are media, there is a media form that you need to fill out along with a review of the code of ethics for the court. And if you well, agree to that, ability to publish my, and my if you, but that's the other thing, hang tight, is that if you fill that out and you make that request as a member of media, it has to be a neutral standpoint. And that's where I would struggle with you having permission to do so because your standpoint in your own court cases is biased to you and your beliefs and, what, well, you're hearing an unedited version. You're hearing. I know that unedited. we're hearing an unedited yeah. version, but the way that you the, the way that you purport it, the way that you upload it and and discuss it, is going to be filled with your bias. And so, because your individual bias exists on that case, that you are a member of, it is no longer a media item. So you don't qualify as media. You qualify as an individual or a civilian for personal recording only. Yeah. Well, sorry, uh, my, my son just came in. Do you want to say hi to everybody, buddy? Yeah. Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> he hi, can't hi. hear you. I have, I have headphones in, but say hi, gotcha. kick. Hi, kick. Say hi, taco. Hi, taco. That's my Tell son, Jack. Tell said so, hi. Yeah, they all say hi, buddy. They all say so, hi. So with that, I think I think we'll go ahead and let you get back to your family. Let's, uh, let's finish hey, yeah. up with the uh, taco five pack, shall we? Sure, sure. All right, and this is, you know, both you and Kick can uh, can answer to if you want. Because uh, Kick does not know the questions. Nope. <laughs> Would you rather flip a coin to win $250 or automatically get $125? I want $125. Oh, I yeah, take the guaranteed chance. money. Guaranteed money. Never tell me the odds. I'm yep. flipping that coin. <laughs> All right, number two. Let's see if I can read my uh, handwriting. Uh, would you rather go blind or deaf? Deaf. Oh, neither one. Shit. I, it would be different if I didn't have the senses to begin with, because I think I'd be more adaptable. But 
yeah, I mean, deaf, you can never listen to music again. Blind is just a nightmare. I had a buddy that went blind, so it, neither I couldn't. That's that's a tough one to pick from. Uh, deaf, deaf. Okay. I'd go blind. Oh man. <laughs> Would you ra rather always feel the urge to pee or never know you need to pee? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess it would get less embarrassing the more times you pee yourself. Uh, it probably would get less embarrassing, but I guess I'd always want to have the urge to pee. You know what? I, I'm I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. I, I'd rather just pee myself. <laughs> well, I think he said he'd rather just have the urge. Oh, no, no. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no, nah, screw it. I, I would pee myself. <laughs> okay. I don't care. Bring on the diapers. Would you rather turn in your pet to the pound or press a button that would kill a random stranger? Button. Who's who, who's the random? Oh, shit. It's a random stranger. It's random. Oh, shoot. <laughs> random stranger? Oh, man. Uh, push the, the other button. one. The other one. Yeah. I'd push the button. Uh, my dog is worth it. <laughs> yep. Button. Uh, okay. Here is... No, here's the fifth one, the hardest one. Would you rather come up with an invention that po positively changes the future of mankind in a great way, but get no credit for it, for inventing it, or invent a deadly weapon and become rich and famous off of it? I live my life doing things without seeking credit. So yeah. that's the direction I would go. I would absolutely take the yeah. I would agree with that. The best. I, I'd, rather, I, I'd, I'd rather be selfless and nobody give me credit for doing something that would be great for humanity. The best gift you can give to other people is doing something nice and no one ever finding out it was you. Absolutely, I would. I would one hundred percent agree with that. All right, group people, bring on the doom. Well. I think that that was wonderful. I'm glad that we, we were able to end on a little bit more of a positive note here. Uh, thank you very much, Broken, for coming on the stream. Is there anything you'd like to tell everyone before we leave? Yeah, thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Uh, the next court date is March 1st. I really appreciated the interview tonight, and I appreciated the civil discourse. And if we can promote civil discourse to prevent things from breaking down to violence. I think that would be an outstanding thing, but the saga that I, and the journey that I'm on continues on March 1st is my next uh, court date. So that's what you can look forward to. And maybe since you guys were so kind and gracious and respectful tonight, maybe we'll premiere that court date on your channel. If you choose to do so, I would extend that invitation to you. Wonderful. I appreciate that. We'll definitely uh, talk to you about that offline. Um, Taco, any final words, good sir? No, it's getting late. Uh, it was great having you on. Appreciate uh, that. Next, our next episode is Saturday. We're doing uh, a quick one Saturday with Tyrant uh, Slayer Studios. Tim Riley <laughs> will be joining us Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central, same bat time, same bat channel. Make sure to be here for that one. I promise you it will be a good one. And right after it, we'll be having uh, 
buddy cops. So it'll be a a fun on a the double st- dose <laughs> on, the, on the stand and then buddy cops. Yep. All right, folks. Well, thank you all very much for coming by. I appreciate all of the support. Uh, again, we'll see you soon. More content to come, more interviews. Thank you so much, Broken. Thank you, my wonderful co-host, Taco. And thank you, everybody out there. Remember what I always say. Be well. Have a great day. And for the love of Christ, be good to each other. Thank you. Thanks.